Greetings, old Haleyburians and members of the wider Haleybury community, wherever and whenever you are listening to this podcast. This is Keith White from the Class of 62, bringing you the eighth of our regular podcast series using audio material from the Haleybury archives. This episode features an interview I recorded recently with Graham Dickinson, grandson of our third headmaster, Sydney Dickinson. Audio archivist Gordon Hawley then introduces a gem from 1963 from our audio archives. And finally, we leap forward 30 years for a most interesting address to the school. Details to come. But first up, I'm having a quick chat with Bill Waters, who has for many years been head of Halebury Heritage and Archives. Today I'm talking to Bill Waters, head of Halebury Heritage and Archives. Bill and I go way back. How far back would that be, Bill? Well, Keith, I was a senior librarian from 1991, based at Keysborough, and around about 2003, Robert Pargeter asked me to become involved with archives, and I'd had a bit of interaction with you, so I enjoyed working with you. Uh, But um, I became involved, and I was able to manage delving into some aspects of archives whilst I was running the library, and uh, I really enjoyed getting into that space of going back in time and seeing where Halebury came from getting involved in a bit of research, writing pieces for the journals and things like that. And then when Jim Brown retired around 2006, 2007, your role expanded a little bit, didn't it, to take over some of the things he'd been doing for archives? Yes, well, Jim was Mr Halebury and nobody could in any way uh, adequately fill his shoes, but I did take on a more involved time as Director of Heritage and Archives from around about 2007, and you, and I worked again in... in uh, concert for that period of time until I retired at the end of 2010 and then I was fortunate enough that Derek Scott asked me to stay on on a part-time basis which I was delighted to do and I've been doing that ever since although this year of course a a former teacher Matthew Wooden has been appointed as basically the chief archivist or senior archivist and he is now employed here full-time so he's taking a leading role in the in the ongoing evolution of the archives. Okay, Bill, now we've got you. Thanks for that little uh, summation. You've spent many years in archives doing a great job. We might get your quiz question. Okay, Keith. My quiz question for this edition of the podcast is In what year was the first Halebury yearbook or annual produced? Thanks, Bill. I've certainly enjoyed working with you over the years. I'll be talking to Matthew in an upcoming episode. Answer to the quiz question at the end of this podcast. And now, our interview with Graham Dickinson. Morning out at Archives, I'm talking to Graham Dickinson, who's the grandson of Halebury's third headmaster, Sydney Rushbrook Dickinson. Graham, you and I were at school together briefly. Uh, just remind me when that was. Well, Keith, that was, if I recall, from around about 1957 to 1960. Uh, I think we knew each other in the same class at at that time. Yes, that's right. And then you moved away and we've only sort of caught up in recent years at at reunions and it's just wonderful to have that direct connection with the uh, Dickinson family. Now, firstly, perhaps tell us about your father. Well, Benson, or Ben as he was known, he was a student at Halebury and he also was ducks of the school and of course school captain school captain and of course at the time he had a number of sporting records which stood for quite a while cricket particularly and he decided that he wanted to go into a, a life in the mining industry i think his father was interested that he might have gone into teaching also yes but he eventually decided that he was going to go into the mining industry yes and he had a very successful career in that 
pursuit, both in the government as the director of mines in South Australia, and then he was also director of Rio Tinto, yeah. um, and other positions in the industry, and eventually was awarded a knighthood for his service to the mining yeah. industry. Sir Ben Dickinson, so when was that? Can you remember the year? I think it was early 80s. Your father, Ben, had a, a younger brother. Can you tell us a little bit about that rather sad story? Well, James was a couple of years younger than Ben. He also was a student at Halebury, and he was went uh, graduating from uh, Melbourne University, and he went into the teaching profession. He did teach at Halebury for a, a couple of years yeah. after he graduated, and then when war broke out, he enlisted in the service corps, and he went with the forces to Singapore in 1940 and regrettably with the invasion by the Japanese in, in Singapore he was missing in action in that conflict which was as can be understood a very great disappointment for his father because I think his father had some ambitions that James might have been able to take over from him even at Halebury and I suppose that certainly had an influence on my grandfather's later years at Halebury. Very sad and um, the biggest legacy I think of the Dickinsons is that they kept the school going through firstly the Great Depression and then through the early years of the war and made a very generous financial arrangement that enabled the school to continue, albeit with reduced numbers, under Sholto Black. Anything to say about that, Graham? Well, I suppose just the background is that my grandfather was not a man of, of wealth in any respect. The Dickinson family originated from the original James Dickinson who came to Australia as a, actually came as a convict. And he later became a fairly prominent person in Tasmania. The Dickinson family had um, difficult early times, as could be understood. And then his son, he then was in Victoria and he went into the teaching profession. That's my great grandfather, yeah. yes. I think Sidney Dickinson probably was influenced by his father in that his father was quite known for being a very forceful teacher but also a very disciplined teacher and yeah. he was known to rule the classroom fairly strongly at his time. And, and, and that, I think your um, grandfather was uh, remembered in that way, was that I, fair to say? He was sometimes remembered as a quite a serious man but also that he obviously gained the interests and ambitions for teaching from his father I right. think yes. Would you like to make some comment perhaps on Sidney Dickinson's educational philosophy? Well I think he was teaching for about 10 years in positions in Tasmania and in Victorian schools and then after this experience he then went and got a diploma of education at Melbourne University yeah. So he was able then to have a good background for continuing on his career in education. And he was, um, had a lot of contact with senior educationalists and therefore he developed what could be considered quite an innovative approach to education, which he brought eventually to his uh, years at Halebury. Yes, it's almost trying to create his students as social units or something I, I read somewhere. And he was also very much against what he termed the soulless teaching styles that prevailed. 
at the time that he was aware of. He was also aware of the legacy that was coming from Great Britain for the teaching systems in Australia and he thought these were very restraining on educating young people to have a good basis for their future careers and life. So he wanted to see that they were well-rounded and that they learned how to tackle life's challenges through their experience at school. Sounds very familiar to the philosophy of the modern Halery, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I think, well, we could say hopefully that that's something that did carry on and passed down on from him to Sholto Black when Sholto Black took over. Sholto Black took over largely the teaching methods and philosophies that were evident at the end of my grandfather's career. And I think we know today that Halebury still is regarded as one of the most innovative education institutions in Australia. Yeah, I think your grandfather would be very proud if he could see the school today. Yes, I, I think he would. I think one of the legacies of the school is that his purchase of the Castlefield property was enabled the school to get a, um, a site at a, almost a, an instant prestige. Now the lasting legacy of the Dickinson family of course, Graham, is the Castlefield property. Can you just outline perhaps the generous terms with which they left us that? Well, my grandfather was very keen to ensure that the school had a sustainable future and he could see that, that they'd invested a lot of their own personal finances into the property and of course they developed, understandably, significant overdrafts as they prepared the school facilities to be the best, as is the same today with Halebury, the best facilities that were possible at the time for the students in terms of classrooms, science labs and sporting facilities. And he understood that he needed to come to have a financial backing to ensure the school would be ongoing. And he, after some time of negotiation, was able to secure that support from the Presbyterian Church. But Notwithstanding that, the important part of that was that the church did prescribe certain conditions on the school and the school community themselves providing finances and also that the school would have a minimum number of students. Fortunately, the parents of the school came into the support and were able to provide the necessary funds to satisfy the church's requirements. But once the school was taken over as a a limited liability body with the backing of the church. The terms of that was that he virtually gifted the school only for a small stipend for his retirement, but otherwise a very, very valuable property was able to pass into the hands of an ongoing school organisation. So. And that's why probably Castlefield is still the historical heart of the school today. Thank you very much, Graham. How wonderful to have that direct link to such a critical time in the school's history. Now for something different, it's over to Gordon. Thanks Keith. Some classical music now from our digital sound archive. Kim Baston is our archive's honorary historian, having particular interest in the Castlefield property. But more about that in a future podcast. He is also a very fine pianist. Let's have a listen to a recording of Kim as a Form 4, or Year 10, student at the 1963 Halebury School Concert in the Melbourne Town Hall as he plays the scherzo in E minor, Opus 16, Number 2, by Felix Mendelssohn.
Thanks, Gordon. An amazing performance for a 14-year-old. And we look forward to talking to Kim in a future episode. And finally, to a school assembly in 1994 with a most interesting guest speaker, given what transpired five years later. I'll let Principal Michael Aikman do the introduction. Now, towards the end of last year, Monash University offered a prize for academic excellence to be awarded to a student in fifth form. We were very pleased to accept this generous offer and agreed that the prize should be presented at this assembly. So I'm delighted to welcome the Deputy Vice-Chancellor of Monash University, Professor Robert Pargetta, back to the school. You'll recall that he was kind enough to come to an assembly last year. He'll say a little more about the award and then make the presentation. A warm welcome then to Professor Pargetta. It's a privilege to be here today and be able to speak to you again, and especially on an occasion of such importance as this. Last time I met with you, I think I pointed out how important it was for universities and schools to have close relationships. And I even reminded you of a couple of reasons for that, but I think on an occasion like this, it's worth saying them quickly again. Almost all of you will go to university here. That's new. When your parents were at school, many of them that would have been at school at a time when there was only one university in Victoria and it had 5,000 students in it. Now, Monash University itself has 38,000 students and our smallest campus has bigger, a bigger enrolment than the total university enrolment just 30 years ago. The scene has changed, university is important, Students progressing academically through school and on to university is a great thing and something you all should be aware of always. Not only is it true that most of you will go to university, but it's true that universities are judged by their ability to attract top students and for them to do well. We can be nothing unless we get good students and good staff. Similarly, a school is judged by its academic performance. The fact that so many students do well in their year, uh, final year at school, and then move on and do well at university is a sign of academic excellence in a school. Monash University decided last year it wanted to recognise the excellence that occurred in some of Victoria's schools and decided to have a Monash Prize. We asked the school to select an outstanding Year 11 student that we could recognise their achievements today give them some financial support for their year 12, and then further financial support if they later study at our university. And so the prize has been awarded to a number of schools this year. We have something special about it here, though. Uh, what happened when we talked to Halebury about this is they said, we've got a very special situation. We have two students who are so outstanding we feel it is unfair to separate them. And so as a special gesture, and not happening in any other place, we agreed that there could be two Monash Prizes for this school this year. And so it's my pleasure to be able to present those prizes now. And the first is to Andrew Channer.
and the second is to play that. Could I add my congratulations to the class of 93 for what they achieved and wish the best to the class of 94 and to all other students at Halbury. What intrigues me about this address is what was going through Robert Pargeter's mind at the time. I wonder had he begun to think, I could be principal of this school one day. Maybe. And finally, here's Bill again with the answer to the quiz question. Thanks, Keith. The first yearbook or annual of Halebury College was produced in 1903, which was also the year in which the OHA was established for the first time. Thanks, Bill. Hands up if you got that one right. Well, that's it for this eighth From the Archives podcast. The next episode should be coming your way in August. If you've got a comment to make or a story you'd like to tell, please get in touch. My email, keith.white at haleybury.vic.edu.au or perhaps send me a text or voicemail to 0490 477398. Again, 0490 This is Keith White signing off from the Archives, Series 1, Episode 8, July 2019. Thanks for listening. <laughs>